A reading from John chapter 15. My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And a reading from Luke chapter 6. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. And he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Grace and peace to you from God our Creator, from our Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit, the one who is present right here where we are, or if you're watching on our live stream or on video, wherever you are as well. So a couple of years ago, my neighbors cut down this uh, apple tree in their backyard. And I was disappointed. You know, I'm looking from the view in my backyard going, I like that tree. Why would you cut that tree down? Uh, from my view, it was a beautiful tree. It would bloom in the spring, right, and have these really nice um, leaves. And I couldn't figure out why they would decide to eliminate it. But that's always the thing, right? When you're at a distance, it's easy to make uh, judgments about the decisions other people are making. So I later learned that this tree was producing rotten apples. I don't know if you've ever had this happen before, but they showed me <laughs> the, the produce of this tree. And they were, um, yes, beautiful blossoms, but small, mushy, brown, and stinky apples. Uh, my neighbor, who likes to sort of lounge in the hammock in the backyard, had one too many of these uh, dropping into her hammock and was like, that's it, this tree has to go. So with this new information, right, the bad fruit, I got on board with the decision they were making. Now, this is a true story. It actually happened in my neighbor's backyard. But the story also works as a pretty good metaphor for us in our Christian lives. As a metaphor, it tells us something even more true about what it means to be a person of faith in this world and what it means to be followers of Jesus. And the truth is this, that the children of God bear fruit. I mean, that is a theme throughout the entire Bible. I told you that I regularly at this time of year have segments in my sermons called Backyard Theology, but this one is not just my backyard. This one is this narrative uh, scope of the whole Bible. It's a theme that God's people bear fruit in the world. It's no coincidence that the Bible begins in the book of Genesis and ends in the book of Revelation in a garden. It's about growth. It's about new life. It is about a God who tends to the garden. 
Um, just a few examples for you. In Psalm chapter 1, it talks about the people of God being like a tree planted beside the water, which yield fruit in their season. Or Psalm 80, which is what our little piece of music that we sang today is based on, where it says a prayer to God to look down from heaven and see and have regard for this vine, tend to me and to my life. Mark chapter 4, you maybe know the parable of the sower, where the sower goes out and spreads these seeds. And we find that when they are spread on good soil, that uh, they bear fruit 30 and 60 and 100 fold. So there's this beautiful crop when seeds are, are bearing fruit. And then um, this verse that we are looking at this summer, that my Father is glorified by this, Jesus says, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. So we are spending time on what does this fruit look like in our lives, in who we are as a community of faith. And we're going to kind of hone in on that piece from uh, Galatians chapter 5 that says, here's, here's what it looks like. It's not apples and oranges and bananas, right? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Several years ago, I read this book about the fruits of the Spirit and what they look like in the contemporary church and in the midst of our culture, specifically in America. And the author, Philip Kennison, asked this question that I think has kind of stuck with me. He begins like this. He says, if the Spirit of Christ genuinely animates the church, then it should be bearing the fruit of the Spirit. If some other spirit animates the church, then we would expect to be bearing different fruit. Therefore, one of the critical questions we need to address in our contemporary church is not simply, are we bearing fruit? Rather, we need to also ask the more pointed question, is the fruit that the church is bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Is it the fruit of the Spirit? Now, as you know, this can sometimes be a hard uh, answer to discern. Does the church have a witness in the world in such a way that the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are made evident in the lives of the people? In the way the faith community engages with each other and with the world, are these borne out in the way we say we are caring for the neighborhood and the world around us? Now, I, I would suspect that if I sat down and had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with each household gathered here today, you might each have a different perspective on the answer to that. Is the church bearing the fruit of the Spirit in the world? You might each have a different perspective and a different example of how that looks and what it looks like. I might ask you about your life. Is it being born in your lives individually? And, and where is it? Where is the fruit? Is it maturing and growing and bringing sweetness to the people around you? Like I said in the, in the welcome, last week we talked about that when we gather as a community, as we come into this sanctuary space, one of our purposes is to, to gather to rededicate our lives to uh, following our God in this world. And we might apply that to this 
idea of fruit. As we gather here, do we get the nurture that we need to be able to go out and to bear this fruit in the world? Because we are like a tender plant that needs to be fed and watered and given sunlight and nourishment and care if we are to go out and bear this fruit in the world. And so today we're going to just start with this fruit of love. We're going to go each week through each one of these and we're just simply using the list that Paul wrote and so we start with love. And while that is first in order, it also might be the most significant to us. And it may be that if we really work on what love looks like, the rest of them will seem much easier. After all, if you pluck a random stranger from the street and maybe ask them, what Bible verse do you know? They might know one of two. For God so loved the world, right? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And the other one might be the one we hear at weddings, right? And faith, hope, and love remain, and the greatest of these is love. The, this is familiar to us, love. When we bear the fruit of love in our world, this is when we most fully reflect the character of God out in the world. People may wonder, where is God anymore? And I say, look at the people. Look at the faces and the actions of the people because we are to bear the image of God's love in our world. Now, love is this really beautiful uh, concept in our scripture. And I think one thing that's really unfortunate is in our English language, we have really no way to talk about the love that is talked about in the Bible, in the original Greek. Because we have one word, right? We have one word, love. And we use it for... God, and we use it for pizza, in my case, or maybe tacos, right? And, and it's the same word. In the Greek, there are four words. There's four different words. There's one for um, intimate love. There's one for, like, a, an endearing kind of family love. There's one for um, brotherly love. And then there's this word agape, which is godly love. It is sacrificial, deep love. And that word isn't just thrown around for the, our favorite foods or in an amazing evening. That is about how God works in the world. Agape love. This is the word used in that passage read from um, Luke today that said, but love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. Now, this can be difficult to do in our culture. I think you probably will agree. The messages all around us uh, in, in the business world and marketing are all about sort of self-preservation and self-promotion, right? We are taught that everything has a price, that when we invest, we can expect a return, and that we are to be paid what we're worth. And Jesus says it's quite opposite with love. We're supposed to give it freely. Give it expecting nothing in return. That it's not about our worth, but the, the worth of the one to whom we give. In our culture of, of self-promotion, there is nothing sacrificial or unmerited ever lifted up or ever uh, given a high regard. When the world tells us to gather and keep it all to ourselves, how do we, as people of faith, live generously and go out and reflect God in the world? 
Now, I could give you a list of ways to do this, and that would be fine. I, I actually started writing, and I had a whole list. Here's how we do it. Here's some ideas, right? And then I thought, you know what? A list isn't as powerful as a story. So I want to tell you a story. I was recently listening to a podcast about Fred Rogers, so Mr. Rogers, right? You may remember Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. That was certainly a staple of my childhood screen time before we called it screen time, I think. The host of the podcast was telling about the story of Mr. Rogers, who on one particular episode on a hot day, decided to take off his shoes and socks and soak his feet in a wading pool. So he's soaking his feet in the wading pool and in walks Officer Clemens. And Mr. Rogers invites him to take his shoes and socks off and put his feet in the pool with him. Officer Clemens says, well, I don't have a towel. And Fred Rogers says, well, you can use mine. Super simple story of two people sitting there on a hot day, putting their feet in the water, something maybe we all <laughs> have done in the last 10 um, oppressively hot days. Now, this was a statement of love. Sounds pretty innocuous, right? But some of you may know that this episode aired in 1969, and Officer Clemens was a black man. The civil rights movement has sparked this debate about what spaces get shared between black and white. And specifically, there was conversation about pools. Is it okay to share a pool? Now, Mr. Rogers doesn't say a word about social justice. He doesn't say a word about racial justice or love your neighbor. He simply demonstrates it. Take off your shoes and socks and put your feet in the water with me. Now, now we grew up on show and tell, right? Go to school, show and tell about your thing. But the host of this podcast said that was not Mr. Rogers' philosophy. His was um, to show, don't tell. Show, don't tell. That love is best shared in action and compassionate response. We only use words when absolutely necessary, right? This is the fruit that we are called to bear in the world. To not make it about me or the kind of love that I can give. To not make it about who we are as a faith community. Um, look at us, look how wonderful we are. But to simply go out and show, don't tell. Now, sometimes it's really good to tell, right? We got to tell a good story where we're proud of the work that we do, but it's not ultimately the point. The point is to love and to be a reflection of God's love in our world. Now, let me just end with this. Now that I've put that command in front of you, here's how we are to be bearing fruit and bearing love in this world. Let me also say this, that the growth of the fruit requires work and grace. Work and grace. All farmers know that there is always more work to be done, right? If you have a little backyard garden or if you are raising plants, there's always something you can do, right? We need to water them, weed them, cultivate them. We got to be on top of pest and critter control. We get to the harvest time and we got to take care of the harvest and storing and all of these things. But there is so much more to producing fruit than what is under the farmer's control, right? The farmer can't make the sun shine. The farmer can't 
go in and make that seed sprout. The farmer can't uh, control too much rain or too little rain. I mean, we water, but we can't control the rain or the wind or the elements around things. The farmer has to trust the good gifts of the creator, trusting in the good gifts of the creator and that they will be continue to be given to them. It takes these two things. It takes our effort and it takes the grace of our God. And these two must be held together, effort and grace, if we are to bear this fruit of love in our world. I think Christians either tend to lean to one side or the other. Uh, some people tend way toward the work side. I can do it all. I can do it all. I don't really need, you know, I don't really truly have to trust in God. And others go all the way to the other side. Don't work so hard. God's got this under control. Just sit back and relax and trust in God's grace. It doesn't matter what you do. And I think this way of bearing fruit in the world is somewhere in between the work and the grace. We find that God is at work in our lives. We need both. So let me just give you a little summary for today. Christians bear fruit. God is love. Show, don't tell. Effort, and grace. And then we say, thanks be to God. Amen.